0: It may seem strange to begin a history of Canada in an English city, a bustling maritime centre of narrow streets in a pocket of the hills where the Avon joins the Severn, but that is where the story rightly starts, in the city of Bristol, which had become second only to London in size, and was doing a thriving trade with Ireland and Gascony, and that cold distant island called Iceland, which the Norsemen had discovered. It starts in Bristol because a Genoese sailor, after living some time in London, had settled there with his wife and three sons, one John Cabot, or Cabute, as the official record spells it, a sea captain and master pilot of some small reputation. He arrived in Bristol about 1490, when the place was fairly bristling with prosperity, and the streets had been paved with stone, and the high cross had been painted and gilded most elaborately, And out on Redcliffe Street, the Rudd House stood with its great square tower, the home of those fabulous commoners, the Cannings, as evidence of the wealth which could be gained in trade. It was not strange that little attention was paid at first to this dark-complexioned, soft-spoken foreigner— Bristol, aggressive and alive to everything, had been fitting out ships to explore the western seas in search of the Vinland of the Norse Sagas and the legendary Island of the Seven Cities, which had been found and settled more than seven centuries before by an archbishop of a porto fleeing the conquering moors with six other bishops. The waterfront buzzed with the strange new talk which had been on the tongues of sailors for years— the suddenly aroused speculation as to what lay beyond the grey horizon of the turbulent Atlantic. The men of Bristol doffed their flat sea-caps to no one. What had they to learn from a mariner who knew only the indolent ease of southern seas, most particularly of the Mediterranean, where the levesh blew insistently across from Africa with a dank, hot scent? But then it became known that another of these bland-tongued fellows, one Christopher Columbus, had set sail westward from Spain with three small ships, and had found land hundreds of leagues across the grey waters, and that because of this Ferdinand and Isabella of Spain were claiming all the trade of Cathay. Bristol recalled that this man John Cabot had been voicing the same theories which had induced their most Christian majesties to gamble a fleet on such a thin prospect. Cabot also had said that the world was round, and that the shortest route to Cathay and Cipango led straight west. They got out their charts and compasses now, and with new respect listened to him expound his belief that where Columbus had landed was the midriff of Asia, and that the way around the world would be found far to the north. This was heady talk. It meant that there were still lands and seas to which Spain could not yet lay claim that the flag of England could lead the way to equal wealth and glory. It was decided to seek royal sanction for a venture well to the north of the route which the inspired Columbus had taken. Henry Seventh was King of England at this time, and he was not exactly popular in Bristol. In the year 1490 he had paid the city a ceremonial visit and had received a truly royal welcome, but on leaving he had shocked them by laying a fine of five per cent on all men worth in excess of twenty pounds. Their wives, he said, had broken some dusty and long-forgotten sumptuary law by dressing themselves finely in his honour. He had called this fine a benevolence, but the outspoken Bristol men had found other words for it. The seventh Henry, in point of fact, had little gift for winning the hearts of his subjects. The first of the Tudor kings was able and far-seeing, but he was cold, withdrawn, hating no man but loving none, incapable of much enthusiasm save for the gold he was accumulating through the efficient raking of the legal fork of Morton, his chief minister. Henry was eager, it developed, to share in the spoils of the West, and so letters patent were issued to John Carbute and his three sons, Lewis, Sebastian and Sanchez, to set sail with five ships, to be paid for with their own money, and— to seek out, discover, and find whatsoever islands, continents, regions, and provinces of the heathens and infidels in whatever part of the world they be, which before this time have been unknown to all Christians. It was stipulated that they were to raise the flag of England over any new lands they found, and to acquire dominion, title, and jurisdiction over these towns, castles, islands, and mainlands so discovered. The only restriction laid upon them seems to have been that they must not venture into the south— where they would be poaching on the Spanish domain.